Welcome back to Off Record On Point, the workplace culture podcast with a human twist. It's season two. We're back and we're bigger than ever. I'm Julia Linehan, the founder and CEO of The Digital Voice, and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host, Casey Long. Thank you. It is good to be back behind the microphone with the new headset for season two. In this episode, we are joined by the lovely Andy Powell, VP and MD of EMEA in Moby. Here's a sneak preview of what's in store for you. Especially when we're in such a fast-moving industry, like we have to be transparent to work together. If anyone's listening to this that could uh, further Andy's future career, please let us know. It's a good reminder of the social and social media, like engaging and having a bit of rapport, you know? Yeah, exactly. I feel like we should say this episode is brought to you by Tourism Dubai, just because it's a bit... <laughs> But before we get into it, let's talk about the show. This time on Off Record On Point, we're tackling a theme across six very special episodes for season two, Be More Human. What's it all about, Julia? Do you know what? We wanted to make this season all about authenticity and being authentic. It's about really who you are and what you bring to the party and, and adding that little bit, little touch of humanness back into the workplace. So in the next six episodes, we're going to be touching upon toxic workplaces, AI, diversity, sustainability, all the things that contribute um, to us being better people and actually having much more fun in the workspace. Don't forget, in all of our episodes, we often touch on sensitive topics and issues. So you can always check out the description for resources to help while you're listening. Perfect. Thank you, Casey. But that is enough from us because I want to bring on the main man, my very good friend, Andy Powell from Imovi. Welcome, Andy. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's great to be here, guys. I've, I've seen a lot of these episodes before and it's, it's awesome to be part of one. So thanks for having me. Oh, you are more than welcome. We're going to start because um, we've got quite a lot to cover and we like to make these fast paced and fast moving. So we're cramming an awful lot. But I'm going to start first off just for everybody to know a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are today. So I am originally born and bred in Kent in the UK. Um, I started my career, media career off uh, in London, um, but I've actually been a resident in Dubai for the last 14 years. I'm actually just coming up to 15 years now. So um, yeah, long time, long time. Um, the large chunk of that that 14 years as well has actually been at Imobi. So I've been at Imobi for just over nine years now. Um, so I started um, in the sales team here and eventually um, worked my way up um, to the position I'm in now, which is managing our entire EMEA business um, from, from Dubai, but also spending a lot of time at 38,000 feet flying back to the UK and, <laughs> and other parts of Europe. So my air miles are good, put it that way. <laughs> uh, do you know what? It was actually that. I mean, I've known you a long time, Andy, but it was the yeah. fact that you have worked at Imobi for nine years made yeah. us actually think, do you know, a lot. Of you, it speaks volumes when people stay at a company. I know a lot of mm -hmm. your team have stayed there for a long yeah. time. So you, we know yeah. you're doing something right. Love to know what it is that's worked what's made you stay in Moby what's right about in Moby and what do you think the attributes of why do you think people stay it's not just a mirror as well right if you look at the entire business like the longevity of people that we have at, at the business is incredible like literally every day we get company-wide emails of you know colleague A has spent the last 10 years at Moby congrats on your work anniversary I, there was one the other day at 14 years um, and I think 
there's a stat that of something like, I think something like 50% of our um, leadership team, not just senior leadership team, but like our managers and everything have, have been more than five years in the company. Wow. What I love about the company is the founders are very involved and very accessible, right? So literally from day one, I've been made very welcome to the company from not just my peers and colleagues, but literally like the senior leadership and the founders who, as I say, are very much involved in data. Yeah, that trickles down. Exactly, exactly. I, I work very closely and report to Abay, who's the founder and CEO, um, have a great relationship with the other three founders as well. So that that's certainly something. But I think the biggest for me is I, I came out of, um, of a corporate, a, a big ad tech corporate company into Imobi, which was still, still in very much startup mode when I joined. Um, and I was just given complete autonomy, basically, to like autonomy with trust of, in terms of like, okay, go and run with it, treat it like it's your own business. I was literally the only person in Dubai running the Middle East at the time. And I kind of just treated it like my own company, really. And I, and I had the autonomy to do that. And yes, you obviously have failures along the way, but you learn from them, the support's there when there are failures. But all, equally, we, we're really good as a company at celebrating success. Um, so there are, there are a couple of points. But as I say, there's there's lots and lots. But I think just just finally is definitely the people. Um, I know a lot of a lot of companies will say this that they they have great people, but it's genuinely true at Mobi. Like culture is literally at the forefront. That's fantastic. I, I probably speak speak to Naveen, who's who's uh, our co-founder and, and group CEO. I probably speak to him more about culture than anything else. Like it's something that I'm passionate about, and he is. And we just you know we just make sure that our people are at the forefront of everything we do. We've seen firsthand just how wonderful the Inmobi team is, and it definitely shines through all of you guys. Um, when we talk about how wonderful people are and culture is and diving into kindness in general with the theme of this episode, kindness is something that is really important. It's always been important to Julia. It's important to me, and I think our whole team at The Digital Voice feels that way, and in general, treating people well, treating people the way you'd want to be treated, being more important than anything in business. And lo and behold, just like you mentioned, Andy, it works. So how have you found it? Is our industry more or less in tune with that? We know it isn't in Moby, but are you seeing that across the ad tech landscape at all? First of all, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think you mentioned it at the top, right? I, like one of my key fundamentals and beliefs is you treat people how you want to be treated. And I think, mm. you know, respect, empathy, and, and actually just being nice to people goes such a long way. And that's that actually, for me, it's not like I, I get into work, I must do this thing. It's, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's part of my DNA anyway. And I, you know, I, I want my, my team to, to pick that up and, and do the same, which, which they do already. I think I've, I've definitely noticed, um, the industry becoming more kind for sure. Um, I don't know whether this is a, a post COVID thing because people spent so long at home and not connecting with each other. But I think, you know, the last couple of, um, of can line that I've attended any industry event, like there used to be a little bit of animosity between competitors sometimes, but now it's all just like a big group of friends getting together. Isn't it? Yeah. First thing that people literally ask these days is like, how's life? How's the family? Yeah. <laughs> how's business? Like, how was your last quarter? Right. I think people are genuinely taking more of an interest into people's well-being. And I, I think that's that's super important. And um, and it's great. I think, you know, the industry has come a long way. And I obviously see this across um, across different cultures and geographies as well. Right. In my role, it's 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 funny because I, I always I was a little bit. Um, apprehensive of going back into Europe because I've only been managing the EMEA business for the last five years so I've kind of been out of Europe for almost 10 years by that stage but 
it, it was brilliant. Like, everyone was so welcoming. There were lots of old faces and people that I hadn't seen for a while. And yeah, I very much got that kind of kindness, like welcoming um, sense when I when I came back to Europe. And the Middle East, just the same. Very, very caring culture. And, and yeah, I think our industry is no different. That's great. We wanted to ask you about this, Andy. And actually, I've got to say, let everybody know that when Andy and I worked together, it was in the last the last place he worked before going to Dubai. So I don't know what that says about working with me. That means you have to fly 5,000 miles to get away from him. <laughs> um, but I, and two things there, really. One, what goes around comes around. And, and I really am a firm believer in you really get to know people in the industry and you get to know the people, who they are. And you treat them exactly as you as you said. You really do treat them and, and consider your own values. And it's why you, sh- you stay in touch. You stay in touch yeah. with good people. So that was the first thing. But I had to, we had to ask because we were curious, Casey, weren't we? Yeah. Going, I wonder what it's like in the difference with um, working in different regions. And let's take, you know, UK but again um, compared to Mina. We've just recently launched. In Mina, we have the Nadia on the ground in for us in Dubai. So curious as to what what cultures what cultures different, what you found different, and I suppose is it the same? Is it is it just as simple as yep, people are people, they have the same values? Not really, if I'm honest. <laughs> I mean that, but but equally that's why I, yeah. I've been here for so long, and that's what I love about it is there are so many different cultures here. Like it's not just like moving to uh to an arab country and and it's just an arabic culture i mean you've got dozens of countries that make up the middle east each of them have their own cultures right so you know you'd have obviously the lebanese way of doing things and you'd have the saudi the uae like you've got so many different cultures like dubai alone is a, a melting pot of cultures and that's what i love about it because you kind of really come to appreciate um people's as you say people's values the, the the way that they address different things i mean Especially, I think one of the hardest things that I've found um, difficult with when I first moved here was that everything has to be done yesterday. Like, there's no such thing as like, okay, the deadline is two days, you need to hit that in two days. It's like, we need this now, otherwise it's gone. And then, and then when, when, I'm ask, when I'm asking people for something, it's like, oh, well, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Um, so yeah it's, <laughs> chaotic it took a lot of getting used to but I, it, it certainly improved my patience I used to be really impatient um before I moved here and now I kind of take things in my stride a lot more that might be my age as well who knows but <laughs> it's fantastic and I, you know I think a lot of my my friends and colleagues have, have lived here for a long time now I don't know many people that haven't been here for less than five years and I think it's a great place to, to just really appreciate um different cultures and you know be aware of them as well it, it's awesome I feel like we should say this episode is brought to you by Tourism Dubai, just because it's a bit. <laughs> I wish I was getting paid. It's a bit. Yeah. It's a beautiful place to work. I, I'm. I'm. I wanted to ask something because something triggered in my mind when you were saying about uh, your the co-founders and your close relationship you have with the C-suite in Moby. I really, really believe that I think, Casey, you said the phrase trickles down, a culture trickles down. One of the, the the points of doing this podcast was to almost shout out a little bit to the industry going, come on, you've got to change. You've got to listen. We'll bring you people that are doing it well and we'll bring you tips and tricks. And But you've got, I think it, people tend to think that it's... um they can make changes in the middle layer, but unless it's reflected in the top down, it just doesn't work. What, what's your advice to going, certainly, let's say, C-suite, do this, be more. What is it? 
again, I can only really go by by my own experience, but um, be very clear with with both short term and long term strategy. So, like, we have very frequent town halls um, between the senior leadership team. We have um, fortnightly to monthly check ins, depending on on what's happening in the business. Complete transparency as well is so important um, in terms of like, okay, we've we've done well on this particular project. We haven't done so well on this one. This is what we're going to learn. We we literally share success and failure together. Um, but I think the most important thing is um, consistently uh, communicating what the vision is and getting everyone bought into it. And actually, what again, the the other great thing is, although the vision is obviously put together by the founders. The actual build up to the vision is very much um, in kind of the, the regional leaders hands and the platform um, heads hands as well. So we all we all pull together and then I think we're fighting for the same thing. Right. Because we actually understand what we're, where we're trying to get to and how we're going to get there. Mm. The biggest things I heard there, Andy, is being unafraid to fail uh and having that building trust and then having that layer of transparency between everyone one trait that often comes up um and when we're again circling back to kindness can be perceived sometimes we disagree but can be perceived by some as potentially a weakness in business and that you know you won't survive or thrive that way do you think companies are still perceived as weak or unsustainable if they're leading completely empathetically or as with as much kindness as possible? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I actually see it the other way around. I, I think companies are weak and will fail unless they are kind or empathetic. Because you just won't, at the end of the day, mm. the people are the, uh, it's people that make your company successful. The people will talk with their boots, won't they? Right, exactly. But, and, and they're the, you know, my, my team are the, yeah. the, are the people that make EMEA successful, not me. And, you know, if I was, was horrible to work for and I was unkind, I wouldn't have a team in place. Like there would be a consistent churn of people. It wouldn't be a nice place to live. Do I think I'm going to get 100% product or 110% productivity out of my team if, if I'm not very nice to them? Absolutely not. Um, but equally, I, I, I also make sure that I hire people that have the right mentality and personality to fit into my team as well. So, no, I, I, I actually perceive companies as weak and not a nice place to work unless they have they have empathy. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you're dealing with people, not robots, right? Everyone has feelings. And I genuinely feel like if people feel like they're valued and you have empathy with what's happening actually personally in the, in their lives outside of work they're, they're far more kind of i guess um, they're far more likely to to put in some extra work and actually enjoy coming to work i think enjoying com- coming to work is the key thing oh, music to our ears isn't it casey and it yeah. says there's two things there i mean we, we're all about the the joy uh, if it's not fun, if it's not enjoyable, we only work with people we like and we're very, very strict on that. And I think it's so important. 100%. And taking pride in your work is something we've talked about a lot recently, whether it's internal facing or client facing, just being excited to yeah, definitely. showcase your skills and be proud of yourself for hard work that you've put in is so great. And celebrate it as well. And I think yeah, uh, I was going to say, what was the one thing you, you, you touched on there, Andy, with something? I don't know what it was. I love, this is why I knew Andy need, need, need to come on, this particular one. You use the words, I'm, and it's not me. My success is not me. It's the team's success. And I'm a big advocate of saying, if I'm an A, my team 
I'm going to make sure I make them A pluses, yeah. A stars. Yeah. So yeah. many yeah. people don't do that. Bad leaders yeah. are those that say, I'm an A, and but I, I want my team to be Bs or Cs because I don't want to have oh, yeah, my no. job or to be better than me. I can't stand it. I'm like, you don't no. get it. If your no. team are A stars, you shine. Yeah, 100%. And I, look, I know, it's, I know it's one of these things we hear all the time, like a good manager should hire people better than him or her. But that's absolutely true, right? I mean, you should. And I think a bad manager obviously doesn't have confidence in themselves if they don't do that. But the other thing, and this kind of, this is actually a real life example of what you were just saying about celebrating success. So we had uh, about a year and a half ago, we had our first leadership offsite after COVID. And we purely focused on culture and empathy, like how we've got through the last 18 months of COVID, um, like how important our teams were for us. And what we decided is that we need to celebrate success more. So something that myself and the other regional leaders did is something as simple as we set up a team's channel that was called Sales Pride. And every time either a junior seller or even a senior seller or even an account manager, a designer or whatever, had a great piece of work, they would literally share it globally with the entire sales team. And this was brilliant, right? It, 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 it gave not only um, a big boost to the people that were being proud of their work, but what it actually meant from a business perspective is we were then actually cross-border sharing um, success stories that if we've done a great campaign in the Middle East, let's take it to the US, let's take it to APAC and vice versa. Or read in my mind, we have something similar with our team and knowledge sharing like that is only going to benefit everyone when you're able to collaborate. And again, transparency and having that trust in what everyone is doing globally, you know, that's on a massive scale for Inmobi as well. It's so exciting. What's our school case is a hashtag love it, own it, improve it, isn't it? Yeah. And the, and the hashtag TDB motivation channel that Ren set up. And we, we love it. We're all for sharing and share, like yeah. really <laughs> highlighting. And you said right at the start, though, it's just as important. You do this in Moby, sharing the failures. And we were talking today with the team leads and we had we were saying about we we want to do some tips out in the industry. We obviously a lot of the team are thought leaders in the industry and we're going to do it almost a campaign on we're brilliant at failing oddest thing as a PR agency to go and say <laughs> I love it that's brilliant but actually that's where you learn from and it's the the ownership of going do you know what that didn't work but we know we saw from it how it can work um and it's not okay some things you don't want them to fail and be in any way damaging but some of the stuff that we failed on have led to some of the biggest successes and my belief is you just got to try it and it, give it a go and try different things. Do you think the same? Are you, are you, allow, are you given the power and the space to, to have that? 100%. That's what I mentioned about the autonomy of responsibility, right? That's one of our core values at Imobi is that you do have the autonomy to try new things. Um, you know, obviously, I don't cover the engineering side, but we're consistently trying to come up with, with new tech. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think there's actually going to be quite a lot of failure coming up in the near future with AI as we, we integrate some of our internal <laughs> systems into, um, into AI, like our HR systems and everything else. But that might not necessarily work straight away and we'll find out what's right for AI and what isn't. Um, but I think just on the failure part as well, this is something that I've, that I've kind of learned over the probably the last two or three years is that it's really important as a leader, I think, that if you fail, you recognize it quickly and you act quickly and you make decisions fast, right? So if I, for example, if I've decided that we're going to do a slight shift in strategy, first of all, I'm not going to make that decision and say, right, that can start at the start, at the start of next quarter. If I've made the decision, it should happen now. 
But equally, I should take the responsibility as a leader that if it isn't working, I'm also not going to give it another two months to work. I need to realize when it's not working um, because otherwise you're, you're utilizing your resources in something that isn't necessarily going to fly and you're better off just pivoting and figuring out why it went wrong. If there is any learnings that you can get from it, like you said, Julia, um, and then you crack on and, and you move on to the next. But like you say, you don't want to fail all the time, but it, it's definitely important to think about why you failed and then figuring out how you can map that moving forward. I do think so. I think that's probably one of the problems is when managers put in place a new strategy and it doesn't work, they don't want to admit that it's not worked. So therefore, they just keep flogging a dead horse and you're and everyone else can see it and it ends up, oh, I've seen it happen so many times. And I, I think that's what I mean by it. It's very quickly understanding maybe failure is the wrong word because it's very, very harsh a word, but it's just, it doesn't yeah, work, no. pivot. Try yeah. something new. Okay, that bit worked, that bit didn't. Pull the threads on what does and doesn't work. I think it's more that. Yeah. Casey, note to self, maybe we don't do a PR campaign that says why we're so good at failing. I'm now rethinking that. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the other, the other really important thing, sorry to dwell on this point, but I think the other really important thing about failure is that you, you, you just kind of touched on there, Julia, but is that you communicate. So you know, if, if when you're building a strategy, I don't, I don't just decide to build a strategy on my own. I actually get input from my entire team. I listen to them. If they think it's wrong before it starts, we don't do it. Like it's a group decision. And equally, if something doesn't work, we have to explain why. You don't just go, right, we're not doing this anymore. Move on to this. There has to be rationale as to why. And then everyone learns, not just, not just the individual that's made that decision. Yeah, that's a great way to approach it. I want to, while we're talking about failure and maybe a little toxicity, want to pivot slightly into a little bit of social media, which, as we are well aware, at times can be a cesspool, a black pit, if you will, of unkindness and lots of negativity. X marks the spot for that, Casey. (laughs) Particularly on certain channels, yeah, without uh, naming any names. But advertisers can be nervous about being perceived wrong when they're on certain channels that harbor certain language and sentiments. What would be your advice to brands that still want to get out there, but maybe are trying to avoid unkindness on tricky channels like that? My two cents is I like, I agree with that sentiment. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like big popular ones, like Diary of a CEO and, and others. And I consistently hear like, sports personalities or high profile business people just saying like they don't even use social media because it's toxic to them it brings them down you know you constant i even from what i see on on social sometimes you see a lot more negativity than positivity and i just don't think that's healthy for anyone um i think what i the way that i would potentially answer this is just what i what i have seen and what I, i think works quite nicely and what i use social channels for again without naming particular platforms but here, especially in the Middle East, I think they act as great um, customer service um, platforms, especially when you're in a region that speaks so many different languages. So, you know, you've obviously got um, a tool within the social media where you can actually have, uh, you know, you could put something on the platform if you've got a problem and, and generally they, they come back and, and speak to the language of whatever the customer is, is working from. Um, and I think it's really important to have a two-way communication between the brand and the person like don't think of especially on social right like digital media has always always had this this word of user right it's actually a person at the end of the day so communicate yeah. to your audience as people and figure out why this person in the first place resonates with your brand and speak to them in that in that way you know if somebody's 
following you on a social media channel. They like your brand already. So, you know, communicate with them, figure out um, how you want to kind of, as I say, how you want to communicate and push your brand ahead. But again, I don't know if that's good advice or not. I'm not a social expert at all. I love that. It's a good reminder of the social in social media, like engaging and having a bit of rapport, you know? Yeah, I think that. it is, Sal. I think, I mean, you're, you're obviously in Moby specialising in, in mobile advertising. And one of the thoughts I had actually along this, not so much social media, but mobile advertising, the, the brands that give you the good feels, right? Um, I, I'm loving the McDonald's ad at the moment and any ad by McDonald's, but it might even make me eat a McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's worth <laughs> It's about the feels. And I think I want to, I want to grab brands sometimes and go use, use the power you have. There's say you're doing your mobile ads campaign. Just remember that the person you've, you said, Andy, they're not a user. They're a person at the end. How much advice do you give as a, as a company to, on that of going, just remember why this is a brilliant medium and just shape your campaign around it. Believe it or not, it's still something that we come up against with, with brands in terms of, okay, this is what mobile is a great channel for. I mean, mobile goes even a step further, right? It's, it's, it, obviously, it's a person, but they're actually holding the device that you're communicating to them with. It's got tons and tons of different things that you can do with the device. So we, we very much um, try to push brands to really utilize what's great about mobile, which is like, obviously there's there's some great ads that we're running at the moment with things like voice activation, mm. we've, um, we've ingrained gaming into a couple of rich media ads. You can get awesome video. Um, so we really try to use like the uniqueness of the mobile devices within the creative to kind of bring it to life. And that, that's what gets the best results. So it's, it's actually like, okay, we don't just want to rehash what you're doing in display on mobile because that's just a reach game, but actually let's, Let's make it unique to the device and the actual, you know, sometimes even the handset, whether it's an iOS or Android, that that person's using. So that works quite well. And I think that's that's what makes mobile unique, right? We've, we've won creative awards and stuff for doing that kind of thing. I think it's good. I mean, I think some of the messages, kindness in advertising can be just as successful. Yeah. You heard it here first. I mean, we all know it. It's like <laughs> understanding it. I've got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come on to it in a second. I've got some fun. A bit of fun to have with you. It's <laughs> a quick fire round. But I think the final ask question I had because we had so many Casey, didn't we? That we wanted to get through. But one of them, we always love to do those sort of almost takeaways. And I would ask you, yeah. what are your must-haves, non-negotiables around work ethos or attitudes in work or things that just are not negotiable? What are they? I think a lot of it probably goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about over the last half an hour. So first of all is, is just be passionate and positive. Like I, I, I want my team and I want the people that I work with to love what they're doing because I will thrive off it. Others will thrive off it. So I, I genuinely think positivity is such an important trait. Um, and I think that positivity will come from the passion that that person has, like love what you do. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, respect is hugely important to me. And again, this goes hand in hand with the empathy side, right? So, you know, you have to respect that not everybody has, let alone the same attitude and mindset as you. But as we mentioned, like in, in my team in particular, we have so many different cultures from so many different geographies, like respect everyone's individuality um, and be empathetic to your colleagues, be kind. I mean, again, hand in hand with this podcast. Um, just a couple more off the top of my head, but that are very much ingrained in, in how I like to build my team is they have to be honest and work with integrity, right? There's, I hate non-transparency, like 
be transparent. If you've made a mistake, own up to it. If you need help, ask. Like, it, what's the point in hiding things? Like, especially when we're in such a fast-moving industry, like, you have to be transparent to work together. Trust is everything, isn't it? Exactly. And when you're remote as well, it's something that we've found within our own team as 100%. well. I think the last thing that probably goes with that actually is just I love I love being inquisitive I am myself right ad tech such a complicated um industry like don't be scared to ask questions no matter how senior you are like I ask questions all the time and you know I, I always say to a lot of people that that, that join in Moby like um never stop asking questions because there'll always be something new I learn something new every day every week I love it are we are we ready Julia is it time yeah we're ready <laughs> oh boy so in the spirit of this episode, which is dedicated to being kind, Andy, you'll be pleased to know that is just what I'm going to do for you in this quick fire round. You, I am going to be very kind to you. And I'm going to kick off. These are the questions. Answer the first thing that comes into your head. Are you ready? Are yeah, you set? Go Let's go. Bum, bum, bum. The number one trait I look for in people is... Passion and positivity. Perfect. To thrive at Inmobi, you need to have commitment to the larger vision and don't be scared to get your hands dirty oh love it it's so deep he's doing very well for me andy powell kindness looks like just being genuine like if you if you care you care you can't put it on like just just be genuinely nice bring your authentic self bring your authentic self i like that i mentioned mackie d's but for you andy p the best campaign on mobile right now is Oh, we've got quite a few running. I saw an amazing one today. You guys wouldn't know this brand, but it's called Almarai. Um, it's a Saudi uh, dairy company. We've built an awesome rich media ad unit. What I love about it is at the forefront of the video, there's two Saudi ladies promoting it, and that would be unseen five, six years ago. Oh, wow. Love that. Amazing. We love that. We love that. Love that. If I wasn't working for Inmobi, I'd be doing <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Uh... I always wanted to be a pilot. Did you? Uh, I thought you were going to say model. A model. Oh, my God. Oh, love that. Julia, let me ask you that question. If I wasn't working at a movie, what do you think I should be? (laughs) Oh, uh, oh, well... I definitely a podcast host after this. Um, I mean, you're, I think I always saw you is it because obviously we worked together. And by the way, for everybody here, Andy was by far and away my best performing salesperson I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, and so I'm going to go with that. I see you as a presenter um, on stage. I love hearing you talk and I've heard you present a lot. Bingo. That's what it would be for me. Thank you. In your chosen field. I don't know if that's sports presenter, TV presenter. Yeah, sport. I've actually quite fancy sports, actually. A sports pundit. I'm thinking that. There we go. We've pinned it down. <laughs> Do you know what? It's actually, or even like, you know how Martin Brundle does the Formula One pit walk, just getting people to say five seconds into the microphone. I'd love to do that. Oh, yes. Everyone talks in the pit. If, uh, if anyone's listening to this that could uh, further <laughs> Andy's future career, please let us know. Right. Two yeah, more. Exactly. Something you don't know about me is. Um, I originally got accepted into the RAF, but my mum didn't like the idea. I actually got accepted into the RF as a cook. My mum didn't like the idea. So when I was in Greece, when I was 18 with the lads, she applied for my first job in media. I went to the interview and got the job. Wow. 23 years later, here I am. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Have you forgiven her? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
Are you pleased with your choice of radio? Like cooking for like 250 engineers <laughs> and pilots every day. <laughs> mom might have known best on that one. Well done, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Final one. My parting piece of advice on kindness for the listeners of Off Record on Point is... Treat people how you want to be treated. Boom. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Andy, I knew you'd be absolutely spot on at doing that. And thank you throughout this That's for right. your no, honesty. Great. And I think I always love to just give a slight roundup on what I've heard. Um, and from my side, the big standouts are to be kind. It's very, very simple. Be passionate. Love what you do. Make sure that as a, if you're a boss or you're in senior management, top down how you behave filters all the way through the rest of the company. You have the power in your hands to really spread kindness and joy. And that sounds very earthy feely, but I truly believe it. I'm with you on that, Andy. Be transparent, have trust, be authentic. And the final one is we are in advertising is that element of remember that the end of that ad campaign is a human, not a user. I just thought, Thank you so much, Andy. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. What a way to kick off season two of Off Record On Point with Andy. What a fantastic start. Thank you so much. Remember, if you're listening, you can continue your kindness journey with our resources in the description. So be sure to check them out and find out where you can keep up with Andy as well. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much again, Andy, for joining us on this episode. It was fabulous. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Off Record On Point. Next time, we'll be joined by the wonderful Leandra Robinson, CEO of Codec.ai. We're going to be diving into the state of diversity and equality in the workplace. But until then, I'm Julia Linehan. And I'm Casey Long. Enjoyed the conversation? Reach out and let us know by rating and reviewing on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to follow us to never miss an episode. You can stay connected with us at thedigitalvoice.co.uk and, of course, across all our social platforms. Just check out The Digital Voice. Join us next time for another undercover industry deep dive, all off record, all on point. Welcome back to season two.